Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! All right, I want to welcome everyone to episode two of the Seattle Sin Bin season two. And uh, I'm your host, Paul Rogers. My co-host, Otto Rogers, is on the line. Otto, you there? Hello, Paul. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Doing great. It's uh, it's dark as heck out here, but, you know, um, it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This time of year is uh, all about darkness, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, so we got a great show ahead of us. Um, we are waiting on Chris Daniels to call in any minute. Uh, and we're going to talk about his report yesterday that NHL is going to not make a decision about expansion in December, much to the chagrin, most likely of Quebec and Las Vegas. Um, and then later on, we've got our Spokane chiefs beat writer, uh, Kevin Dudley calling in to talk some chiefs and, you know, uh, I, I really had to think long and hard, Otto, about whether I was going to let Kevin in to talk about the Chiefs. Um, I am an Americans fan, and we we do not like the Chiefs, so that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, but while we're waiting for Chris, uh, wh- what's going on in your world over there, Otto? You know, that, first of all, you voted lot. today. Yes, I did. So we're good. I did too. Although you know, I did um, too. I I don't have any impact on what's going on in Seattle or King County, so. Right. Any kind of effort yeah, I mean, that I give forward, you know, give forth is helping, you know, try to spread the awareness of the candidates that uh, want the same things as the sports fans in Seattle and those that want uh, Seattle Arena and NHL and the songs to come back. So um, anything I can help yeah. do to help push that agenda forward, it's good. Yeah. And so I don't know if people can still vote at this point or not. I mean, I, I would think they could, um, but uh, everyone does need to vote. Um, and like you, I don't live in Seattle city limits. I live in Titan. And so uh, I did cast my vote today and I, I got to tell you, I voted to oust the mayor of Titan. I, I hope he doesn't oh listen goodness. to the show, but, but I, I did vote to oust him. And um, I, I thought I saw a number flash on the screen, but now it's gone. So, that might have been uh, Chris trying to call in, and then maybe he'll call in back in a minute. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so – but everyone does need to vote. And if you haven't voted yet, if it's still possible to vote, um, I, re- I encourage you to check out sonicsrising.com. We've got a voting guide all set up for you, and uh, hopefully things will break our way in this election. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think the ballot uh, is closed at 8 p.m., I think. So if you have not mailed it in yet or completed, you can still, I believe, drive by to uh, some of those local precincts, precincts where they have those ballot boxes and drop them off. And Paul, Paul yeah, that's what I did had, today. We, you mentioned we had the the, kind of the cheat sheet kind of thing um, by I think it was, was it Robert Cardona. I think was the one who kind of put that together for us. And then um, also uh, Mike Baker, who we had on last week. Um, had his kind of Q and A with the different uh, different city council candidates. So if you have a minute yeah. or two, um, you know, check those out tonight. Yeah. All right. So uh, enough of the political talk for a moment. Except I'm sure we'll ask him about that as well. Um, on the line right now, I believe we have King Five reporter Chris Daniels. Chris, are you there? Paul Otto. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. Um, and uh, as you know, we just started our second season last week, so we were on quite the hiatus. Um, and I, I just assumed since we weren't doing anything that you took the entire summer off as well. Is that true? 
I, I wish. I, I do a lot of juggling here at the Mighty King Five with all sorts of subjects and stories. So, uh, yeah, the, right. what, what's going on in Seattle and Tukwila is one of them. Right, right. Okay, so um, you reported yesterday, and you actually confirmed a Canadian reporter's uh, report that the NHL, uh, in a surprise, uh, is likely not to make a decision on expansion in December. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What's going on there? Yeah, it's interesting. There there had been some rumblings, and I know that uh, the group down in Vegas uh, had uh, Bill Foley had had made the suggestion that he was expecting uh, a vote uh, uh, as early as September, and then uh, recently had told reporters he was expecting uh, a resolution in December. Uh, but what was first reported by TVA up there, Renard uh, Lavoie, uh, uh, in Quebec, was that no vote uh, was expected. Uh, at the December Board of Governors meeting, uh, I checked with the NHL uh, higher-ups and was told that no vote was expected, that they were still uh, doing work, still working, uh, was the quote, uh, on the bids uh, regarding Vegas and Quebec. Uh, so it does not appear uh, at this point in time, although uh, it, it seems like this has been a bit of a roller coaster over the last year with the National Hockey League, but it doesn't seem at this point in time they're going to vote in December. I know uh, David Pagnotta, who is uh, well-regarded as well as a hockey writer, also reported the same thing yesterday. So uh, multiple reports, not only from me, uh, but from others uh, around the country uh, and in Canada, well-sourced hockey guys, that uh, it does not appear that there's going to be a, a vote on expansion by the National Hockey League Board of Governors in December. And that then puts pushes right. it into next year into 2016. Do you if it so if it's in 2016 uh do you know when the next potential vote could be? Uh, I, I've seen it uh, reported elsewhere that potentially June uh, of next year, uh, near the end of the the National Hockey League season, would be uh, the next potential uh, a vote. Oh but uh, you know, I, I think at this point, uh, watching this closely over the last two or three years, that uh, <laughs> there have been uh, definitely some wrinkles uh, involved in the expansion process and and how the National Hockey League has managed this. Uh, so uh, I, w I wouldn't rule anything out, but it, it appears just based based on uh, what's been reported uh, uh, that, that it looks like June of 2016 would be the, the potential next vote on any sort of expansion. If, wow. in fact, the NHL follows through on this and, and does not vote uh, in December. Yeah, that that's quite a delay. And it, it's almost, uh, it's, it seems like it would almost reopen the process if they're waiting that long. But as, as you, as you said, June of two, 2016, Chris, I, I could almost hear in my head my friends down in Vegas and, you know, the, the fans over in Quebec beating their heads on their desks. Uh, that, that's got to be really frustrating for those people. Um, uh, I would think for Quebec, especially uh, with their arena now, they're in Quebec and, and ready to go. And uh, by all indications, had a very successful uh, preseason game this year, uh, a launch and, and, and it well attended and a lot of people excited and, they feel they're ready to go and, and ready for the team now. So uh, I, I get the right. sense uh, just based on social media, there's some frustration there and, and likely in Vegas as well. Right. Do you have any any sense uh, of what the delay could be? Uh, I, I've heard some rumblings. I checked in with some people uh, yesterday, not ready to to report exactly uh, what what these people are, are telling me about what exactly uh, they, they think is going on. Um, but, uh, you know, there have been reports just in the last uh, several weeks about whether all the financing was in place in Quebec, uh, what the, the impact of the Canadian dollar uh, has on, on the process, uh, whether all the financing is put together down in Vegas. I mean, they have an arena uh, that, that will be complete, but there's a question on the financing side as well. Uh, and I think you can look at it uh, and look at it from – 3,000, 4,000 miles away from the league office uh, and wonder if the situation in Florida and Arizona in particular, uh, how that plays into everything. Uh, I think there there could right. be multiple factors here at play uh, when you make a big decision on expansion and, and going uh, up a couple of uh, teams and, and when you would implement that. But, um, you know, I'm not ready to, to fully report uh, what I've been told on this one, right. uh, it, but, right. but maybe it'll uh, materialize here in the next couple of weeks. Okay. 
Well, I, I think you you know that what we want to believe is that they are uh, wanting Seattle in this so bad that they're willing to push it back a year. Um, and, and so that, that leads us into this discussion of uh, what the heck is going on in Seattle right now? What What is the status of our situations in Soto and Tequila and in Bellevue? You, you mean there's a conspiracy theory? <laughs> well, um, not, not that I would ever proffer, but you never know. Uh, well, I'll, the, the other thing I would just point out is uh, ESPN uh, talked to Mr. Jacobs there, who's the head of the Board of Governors with the Boston Bruins, and uh, he was more blunt than I think we've heard uh, uh, from a lot of people in the National Hockey League uh, when he when he gave that uh, interview to ESPN a few weeks ago and said that uh, he'd like Seattle <laughs> uh, as a uh, natural fit in the National Hockey League. I think that raised some eyebrows. but. Uh, as far as whether Seattle, Tukwila, Bellevue are uh, prepared, I can run them down for you. I mean, uh, with Seattle, uh, I, I think uh, something to watch is, is what happens tonight. It's interesting that we're having this conversation because I, I, what happens with the, the city council vote and, and uh, where that ends up and, and the makeup of the city council uh, could have an impact on uh, when there may be a street vacation vote. Um, I know you guys have followed it well, but uh, that is uh, really the last uh, big vote uh, in this process, uh, in this public process at least, uh, for a new arena down in Soto. Uh, Every indication I've been given now is that that vote is not expected until January. Uh, I'd previously reported November, December, uh, but uh, it sounds like talking with folks in the mayor's office at the city council, uh, and others associated with uh, Chris Hansen's group that uh, they're not expecting it now until January, but uh, that could also hinge on what happens with this vote tonight. Uh, there are some council members who, uh, it, it, when discussing all of the issues, and, and believe you me, the, the arena issue is very low uh, in priorities for uh, most of these people that are running for office, but uh, there have been a couple who have spoken out against it and how they don't think it's a good idea. Uh, that may impact uh, when exactly the street vacation uh, vote goes up. But uh, what we know now about the process, uh, I I can't remember, guys, when we last talked, is in September the final two commission uh, design review uh, commission votes happened, both unanimous uh, in favor of the design and the public benefit. Uh, Then it went to DPD. Uh, who did another review, and uh, what was this? This all blends together now. About a week or so ago, uh, the DPD director, uh, they had an addendum to the EIS and said there were no additional significant impacts. So now it's in SDOT's court, Seattle Department of uh, Transportation, uh, who has to make a recommendation to the city council on the street vacation. Every indication I've been given is that SDOT will sign off on that. So then it goes to the city council, and it rests in the city council's hands for that final vote on a street vacation. Uh, and that is where you're probably going to hear uh, one last salvo from uh, opponents, uh, including the Port of Seattle, including uh, the Maritime Industrial Corps. They've made it clear uh, in every step along the way uh, that they are opposed to the location of this uh, arena. They did it in a letter. Uh, Peter Goldman, the attorney, uh, that has been representing those interests uh, made it clear to me that uh, they were uh, following through with the process uh, here, and, and this is something they were required to do as part of this, of this packet of information that goes to the city council. So they have done this in the past with design review commissions. They're doing it again with uh, the city council and, and, and following through on procedure. Uh, so I, I would expect if this vote does come up in January uh, that, that it's going to be heated once again uh, because it potentially could right. be uh, the last stand for for the opponents of Chris Hansen. That was a long way of saying that's where Seattle's at. <laughs> yeah. Have the Mar- it seems like the Mariners have been at least more quiet in their opposition. Have they, have they softened their tone on this project at all? Uh if you believe what the EIS uh, addendum said, the reason why that was even brought up, that was brought up by the Mariners, the, the issue of uh, pedestrian flow, and, and, and the city agreed with the Mariners uh, and said that they had uh, that, that they calculate the pedestrian flow on a, a full game night at Safeco Field. So they went back and addressed it, and that's why the DPD uh, director came back and said, okay, we looked at it with 40,000 people at Safeco Field versus 13,000 people, and Yes, there is some credence to the Mariners' argument that there needs to be uh, more sidewalk uh, space 
if Chris Hansen builds an arena down there. And so they, they agreed with the Mariners to a certain extent, but said uh, they just need to they would need to build wider sidewalks and, and potentially a, a bit wider on the pedestrian bridge, but otherwise no significant impact. So, I, I you know it's it's tough for me to guess uh, what happens in in January, uh, but at least that issue in DPD's mind is resolved with the Mariners. Question is what they do in January if this comes back up again. Okay. All right. And so uh, that leads us to Tequila and Ray Bartizek. I, I know it was reported a few weeks ago uh, at by the paper of record that um, it, there was potential uh, for Ray Bartizek to possibly drop out if uh, he couldn't secure any financing. Uh, to your knowledge, how how is that going for Mr. Bartizek right now? Uh, still working on it was the last uh, word I heard from the Bartizek camp. Uh, the, the city of Tukwila has also told me in the last few weeks they're moving along uh, as uh, uh, they were planning uh, with the environmental review, and nothing has changed for them uh, or for the city of Tukwila. Uh, it, but the Bartizek camp is still trying to put all of this together. It, it's my understanding they still have uh, control, so to speak, uh, via way of options uh, on the land down in Tukwila. Uh, so as far as they're concerned, it's a matter of buttoning that all up and uh, getting all the financing in place to move ahead on what you know would be a half a billion plus uh, project uh, down in Tukwila. Yeah. So uh, th- as far as I have been told, uh, it is uh, status quo down in Tukwila, although uh, I think that could be a week-by-week basis, a month-by-month basis, uh, and we'll have uh, some more concrete information uh, no pun intended on the concrete, but uh, there there would be uh, potentially some more information that would come out on that. And I'm still hearing that you know people are kicking the tires in Bellevue, and that is uh, and that is not dead uh, as well. So th- these things right. are still percolating in the background. I think everybody knows the calendar that has been laid out uh, by the city of Seattle and uh, the mayor's office, and and if somebody wants to. Uh, break ground on another project, uh, play their cards, it's probably going to have to be uh, before that gets to a final vote or right before that gets to a final vote uh, because it changes the political dynamic. Right. And and speaking of Bellevue, um, another thing that was reported uh, was that um, when the Bellevue thing fell apart earlier in the year, and, you know, maybe it's not completely falling apart, but when when things went awry for the moment, that uh, the Bellevue Group was actually trying to get about $200 million from the city of Bellevue for financing. And everything we had heard prior to that was that that was going to be a quote-unquote privately funded project. Is that, does that jive with what you've heard, that they were actually seeking public yeah, I think that's unclear. Uh, I, I've seen the, the documentation uh, through a public records request uh, of what uh, was sent back and forth. Uh, between uh, some of the folks that, that wanted to build uh, or want to build an arena in Bellevue. Uh, it, there were some numbers scratched on a notepad uh, about uh, potential uh, financing mechanisms, and that that number was thrown around, but it was unclear if that was going to be a, or, or was a hard ask. Uh, but, you know, there, there are issues there in Bellevue, just like there are in Tukwila and there are in Seattle. And in Bellevue, um, that, that that area, the Wilburton area, uh, is an area that's going to be discussed uh, as it is right now in the, in the Bellevue City Council and uh, uh, future use in there because the East Link Light Rail goes right through there, um, and, and so they are a stakeholder in this as well, Sound Transit. Uh, there is some city property. Uh, there is some private property. It's it's a bit complicated. And then you factor in traffic, which everybody loves to talk about in Seattle and, and, and Bellevue on the east side. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's more complicated, and uh, the, the, the people that have been kicking the tires on that, gosh, for the last five to eight years – uh, have run into roadblocks uh, one right after the other. And uh, what has been discussed in Bellevue thus far has been relatively premature. Um, but the, uh, like I said, as far as what I'm hearing right now is that people are still kicking the tires. It's a matter of uh, just like this summer, whether somebody puts their money where their mouth is and decides to try and go forward with a, uh, a project. And I'm not sure that we're there yet. Right. 
Um, and then, so one more thing on the Soto situation. One of the things that was mentioned in the maritime letter to the council was the, um, and, and this was something that came up uh, a month or so ago, was that there supposedly there is uh, a potential $285 million renovation that could be done to Key Arena, um, and, and that it would be big enough for the NHL and the NBA. And that doesn't jive with everything I've heard, um, but and it also doesn't answer the question of who would pay for it. Um, how big of a headache do you think that key arena issue could be uh, when the vote comes around? This is a great uh, question, and I've been long-winded with you uh, already uh, tonight, Paul, but uh, I, I will uh, try to explain this. Uh, I spent a lot of time at City Hall uh, just in my uh, day-to-day uh, work life, and, and I, I heard some whispers uh, that uh, this report existed, uh, that it was actually circulated in June and July to uh, council members, and they were briefed on it privately. Uh, this was something that came out of the EIS that, for no apparent reason, took three years to complete, uh, that AECOM uh, did this study of Key Arena and, and really prompted by the EIS, prompted by the idea that if you build a new arena in Seattle, what do you do at Seattle Center and what do you do with Key Arena? And it, it was a, it, it's a pretty detailed report. I mean, in fact, uh, when we first reported it, we, we put the entire report online for everybody's uh, ability to digest. Uh, but it looks at all the options, looks at uh, NBA and NHL, looks at NBA only, looks at NHL only, looks at turning it into an aquarium or water park or adventure park. Uh, and the number that it throws out is $285 million for a complete uh, remodel of Key Arena uh, and smaller amounts for other purposes. And, and in fact, one of them is uh, just tearing it down and turning it into uh, affordable housing, which is a big issue in Seattle right now. So it, it was a comprehensive review of all these different options. There are council members uh, that told me uh, immediately after I got my hands on it and I reported it, uh, that it was worth talking about and putting it in the public domain. Uh, but frankly, that that was a story that I reported that, that nobody really seemed to latch on to uh, right away uh, and, and talk about. Um, and Sally Bagshaw and Gene Godden, uh, Gene Godden, who uh, will be leaving the council uh, next year, they, they both said it's worth uh, looking at, knowing the number uh, that this report suggested uh, Key Arena could be built for. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a uh, big uh, guess to say that this will be discussed in any sort of street vacation vote. Uh, I, I can already picture it now that people, uh, somebody's going to be waving around that report and say, you know, look what we could do uh, at, at Seattle Center first. Uh, so I, I think it will be a topic uh, of conversation come January or when that street vacation occurs. But, you know, if somebody was to step forward and say, I have $285 million, I'm ready to, to remodel Key Arena, that would be a game changer and, uh, uh, you know, would be a, quite a card to throw right in the final throws of the public process involving uh, Chris Hansen's arena. But that uh, has not occurred. Uh, and and the, what I get at City Hall is that people would, people would love to hear that, uh, but, but nobody's been willing to stand up and say uh, they have the money and are willing to do that with the city. Right. Well, Chris, it's election night, so I know you're probably busy, and I'm going to go ahead and let you go, but I want to thank you for coming on once again. You've been a good friend of the show. It's good to talk to you both. It's always it, it's always good to talk about the multi-layered story that is an arena in the Puget Sound region. Right, right. All right, thanks, Chris. You have a good night. Thanks, guys. All right, that was King 5 reporter Chris Daniels. He had quite a bit to say, and I'm sure Otto and I will have quite a bit to discuss when we come back from our break, so stay tuned. You know what the NHL stands for? Non-stop hockey love. Hockey love. Like when the Thrashers score a goal and those giant bird heads shoot flames 20 feet out of their mouth, you can feel the warmth fall over you. Can you feel? That's hockey love. The hockey love. Or when a player is sent to the penalty box, Think about the wrong he has done. That is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough hockey love. From Midtown to Marriott, Jonesboro to Alpharetta. Sometimes in between periods, they have little tight hockey. Little kids playing hockey in their little thrashers uniforms. 
They try so hard and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love. I'm talking about hockey love! I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. <laughs> All right. Until like he corroborated and kind of you know verified the information on his end, 
and then he shared it. So Chris is definitely one of those guys that uh, you know that if he's sharing that information, that there's uh, substance to it. And so I I am eagerly awaiting his next King 5 exclusive uh, story about the the NHL expansion process because it seems like he's got some fun – He's got some some details or some some fun things, interesting things to speak about, but he's not ready yeah. to move forward yet. And, that, that and you know, to be, to be perfectly honest, I've heard some things myself that I can't report. So, um, <laughs> you know, that that's kind of the way it goes. There, there yeah. are some intriguing things in the air right now. Um, but again, we you know, it'd be irresponsible to to say what it was uh, without you know further sourcing and and that kind of thing. Even though I don't come close to having. Chris, Chris Daniels, journalistic standards. Uh, I would be much quicker to go with something than he is, but but that's just me. And I'm not really a reporter, so I'm you know I'm more of a blogger, so I don't have the same uh, standards Dad. put on me that he has. So yeah. Um, all right. But you know, um, on the other you know on the other hand, you still kind of you don't want to just kind of throw out complete fluff in, out there because you want you know when you say something, you want people to kind of you know, be interested in what you're saying and, and respect kind of what you're putting out there too. So there's kind of a balancing act. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, part of the fun, honestly, is uh, knowing that I've heard things that people haven't heard. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Though. Um, but again, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just one of the fun things about this job. Sometimes you hear stuff. Um, but yeah, Chris had a lot of good things to say. It really is good to hear that um, Ray Bartizek has not pulled out. Um, on a realistic note, he did say that it, that might be on a week-to-week or month-to-month basis to see just yeah. everything depends on if he can nail the financing down or not. But it's good to know that he's still working on it. Um, and, you know, I, you and I were, you know, how cool would it be if he tweeted out something like still here, still working, um, I think, I think the, uh, the internets would burn up if he tweeted that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that would be entertaining. Um, but with Bellevue, you know, I, that one's always been a little bit more nebulous than Tukwila because no one has come forward in any sense, uh, on that project. I mean, I mean, we've heard Jack Sperling's name. Uh, we've heard Thomas Toll's name. But no one has come forward with any kind of proposal in in Bellevue, and so for me, if they actually get something done there, it's going to be a total shock, honestly. Right. Um, because you you would think that if they were going to be able to do it, they would at least have some kind of proposal by now. Uh, but you know, right. who knows? Um, we've been surprised many times on this journey, and you know, it's just hard to say how things are going to turn out. Uh, so, Otto, what's going on in the hockey community in Seattle right now? Well, it, you know, it's anything interesting? Really kind of, yeah, some really fun, exciting news uh, that came out today. Um, the Seattle Thunderbirds sent out a, a story uh, that they're going to have the uh, a Seattle Metropolitan's uh, celebration night on December 5th. Um, it's two days before um, the December 7th, which which is uh, which has been proclaimed uh, Seattle Metropolitan Day in Seattle by uh, Mayor mm-hmm. Ed Murray. Uh, that is 100 years from the first game that the Metropolitans played back in 19, uh, 1915. And so what, what, what the Thunderbirds are going to do is they're going to have the players wear uh, Seattle Metropolitan jerseys, and then at the end of the game, those will be auctioned off uh, yeah, I believe going to a charity, I'm not sure what, what kind of charity, but they typically on special nights like breast cancer night, things like that, they will, players will wear the jerseys and they will auction them off at the end. Um, they will also be having the Hall of Fame will have be having a lot of different articles uh, and exhibits to, to look at. And they, they're also calling for those that have historical Seattle hockey pieces and would like to, I don't know, to get added to the Hall of Fame, or, but they're asking those people to bring those items forward to put them into some sort of exhibit. And uh, they will also have, and this is special, this is not just, this is not just for, uh, uh, you know, WHL fans or Thunderbird fans or whatnot. This is for all hockey fans. They're, they're going to have this, uh, the Stanley Cup there. 
uh, a special section where you can get your photo taken with it. And they're, they're going to have the have actual Stanley Cup there? The actual Stanley Cup, yes. Wow. Yeah. So now you're not going to be able to drink out of it or eat cereal out of it, but you will be able to take a picture with it. And so that is, I mean, that's a lot of fun. Plus, they're going to have a lot of Seattle Metropolitan merchandise as well. So that, I mean, right. that, that was really exciting that came out today. And that sounds um, like a fun night. That, what what date is that again? That's December fifth. So that's a Saturday so, game. It's a Saturday game against your Tri City Americans. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I need to try to go to this. Look out, right? And yeah. What's cool about that would you be know, fun. and what's what's cool about this also um, is that it, it's it's just one part of of multi events. <clears throat> Over, over that weekend. So the the night before, Friday night, they're going to have Hall of Fame artifacts uh, at the Angry Beaver. And if you – and they will also have uh, Seattle Metropolitan merchandise. And if you purchase the merchandise right. there, 20% of the proceeds will go to the Angry Beaver to kind of help offset some of the losses that they had over the summer. And then on oh, cool. Sunday – yeah, it's very cool. And then on Sunday – um, they're going to have a Stanley Cup at the Snow King Ice Arena in Renton, I believe. And then after that, they're taking the Stanley Cup uh, to the Seattle Children's Hospital. So um, this is uh, this is all leading up to December 7th, which is uh, Seattle Metropolitan Day. So, uh, And I know the Seattle wow. Metropolitan's website, uh, the guys over at Seattle Metropolitan's website, uh, they kind of put, put all, this thing, all this together. So uh, kudos to yeah. them uh, for like, pulling this off and getting this uh, together for, for the Seattle, yeah. the hockey community in the area. Yeah, and we need to have that guy on maybe next week or the week after, sometime before, between now and the event. Uh, so yeah, we'll be working on that. Yeah, um, so you mentioned the Angry Beaver. Um, for those of you who hadn't heard, there, um, the Beaver had some financial troubles over the summer, and there was some question about whether they'd even survive to uh, the season, but it sounds like they have at least survived this long. Uh, and how, how are they doing in general? Do you think right now, Otto? Yeah. Are they have their think, situation you know improved? Their, you know, their situations improved. They had their uh, the two events: the the evening magazine event and the uh, the morning uh, King Five Morning Day, or I, I forgot what the name of that show is. But they had those two events had had a really good popular response. I know their GoFundMe has done really well. They've had a couple. They've hosted a couple of uh, benefit nights at the Angry Beaver, and I think they just had another one with the. I want to say the Hockey Saves. It's a it's a nonprofit military uh, veterans hockey group. They had they had that uh, that benefit there the other night where uh, some of the proceeds went to the Angry Beaver. So it looks you know it looks like it's doing well, and now we're in hockey season. So. You know, we should yeah. be good for you another know, year. And, you know, um, I, I don't know how many people notice this or not, but uh, Ray Bartizak actually contributed to that campaign. So uh, that did. was great of him to do. He that did. That was very cool. And, uh, you know, some people, as we talk about this and as we, you know, when we posted an article about it, uh, as it was becoming known, some people might say, um, you know, this is a for-profit bar. Why should I support this? And, to them, I would say this is the only hockey bar in Seattle. And you and I have talked many times about how grassroots for hockey is very important uh, for when the NHL comes. We need places like the Anger Beaver, Anger Beaver to be open, and we need more places like the Anger Beaver to be open. So uh, for the exactly. hockey community, it's, it is really important bars stay open. And yeah. uh, I, I was very pleased to see the community rally around it. Definitely. You know, it's it's nice to have a place where – um, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to tell the bartender like, hey, can you like turn down that NBA game so I can watch some hockey? Uh, you know, usually you go to you go to bars in the area, the hockey games like in the back TV, um, muted, where you know all the other TVs have the NBA. Now, you know, I know people love the NBA, and you know that's that's great. You know, uh, I kind of have a love hate relationship with the NBA because you know the Sonics, um, but it's nice to go to a bar where everyone else is there for kind of the same thing, that kind of the atmosphere. You know, the atmosphere at the Angry Beaver is is what makes it so great. It's not just about 
the TV screens. It's not just about the games. It's about the you know your neighbor to your left, your neighbor to your right. You know, drinking some coconut, having having some poutine, and like talking about hockey, just talk. You know, having a good time. That's what it's really about. You know, yeah. it's about the hockey community and the camaraderie that you have with 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 everyone else in the community. So you know, it's it's a great right. place to go, and I'm looking forward to going there again soon. Right. Okay, we're going to take another short break, and when we come back, we've got Kevin Dudley, who's going to be joining us. And Kevin Dudley is a he is a beat writer for Seattle Sinbin, and he covers the evil Spokane Chiefs. And so when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Kevin Dudley. If a premium beer is to please a lot of people, it has to be good. It has to know the way to natural ingredients. What prime quality hops to seek out? What first-rate grains to choose? It must draw upon the Pacific Northwest's pure mountain water. But above all else, it must deliver fine taste. Today, one beer does it all. Mountain Fresh Rainier, a brew apart. You know what the NHL stands for? Non-stop hockey love. Hockey love. Like when the Thrashers score a goal and those giant bird heads shoot flames 20 feet out of their mouth, you can feel the warmth fall over you. Can you feel? That's hockey love. The hockey love. Or when a player is sent to the penalty box to think about the wrong he has done, that is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough hockey love. From Midtown to Marriott, Sometimes in between periods, they have little tight hockey, little kids playing hockey in their little thrashers uniforms. They try so hard, and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love. I'm talking about hockey love! I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. <laughs> All right. The Paris State University Bulldogs defeat the Michigan State University Spartans 4 to 1, and the Bulldogs win 8 to 1 over the Ohio State Paris State hockey season tickets are on sale now. Reserve your spot for all 19 home games. Includes two games each versus Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. $175 for adults, $80 for students. Contact the ticket office at 591-2888 or log on to FairStateBulldogs.com. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! segment of the Seattle Sinbin. I am Paul Rogers and my co-host is Otto Rogers. And joining us now on the line is Mr. Kevin Dudley. Kevin, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Doing great. Uh, And so as I said before the break, Kevin is our beat writer for the Spokane Chiefs. And and you also cover them a little bit for the Spokesman Review, do you not? I do, uh, just on a freelance basis. I um, was a journalism student in college, so the last couple of years I've uh, kind of been moonlighting as a freelancer for the Spokesman Review, mostly covering high school football, basketball, but um, I fill in a few times for some Chiefs games, and I got, um, I guess I got a few Chiefs games coming up that I'm covering. I think one's this month and one's, uh, there are a few more after the new year. Okay. Um, so, Kevin, um you know, I, I like to ask all of our new guests, uh, kind of a get-to-know-you uh, grouping of questions. So uh, what got you into hockey? I mean, how long have you been a hockey fan? I would say probably since I was about six or seven years old, um, and that was when all the Mighty Ducks movies were coming out. Um, and I had some friends that played um, when we were about that age. So I don't know. I every All of my friends were playing basketball and soccer and baseball, but I've always 
enjoyed being a little different, and I kind of had an affection for hockey. Um, I didn't start playing uh, in like a hockey league till I was about ten or eleven as a pee wee. Um, I played up to up, up until high school, and then um, always always followed the sport, loved the sport. Played in a men's rec league uh, once I graduated college, uh, but I haven't. I haven't put in the rec league in a few years. It's been a little spendy for me, but I'd, I'd like to get back into it at, at some point. Yeah. Okay. So, Otto, you had some questions for Kevin. Uh, why don't you yeah. take it from here? Yeah. Hey, hey, Kevin, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Hey, so um, I was just looking at, at the, the Chiefs. You know, how do you think they've been doing so far this year? It looks like they got off to a quick start and they kind of, kind of fell off the map a little bit, and then uh, last few games they they come back strong on the road. How do you think – what do you think about their performance so far this year? Well, you kind of got to divide it into um, before this past Eastern Conference road trip and then after. Uh, we started off the season uh, pretty wild. At that, that opening night at home against Tri-City was pretty wild. You had a hat trick from um, Jared Anderson Dolan, a rookie, but you haven't really uh, seen much of him since. He's actually been a, a scratch a few games. Um, they they really had some trouble and sort of still do, giving up a lot of goals. Um, they've got to shore that up. But the past, I mean, they just they're I guess they're on their way home from their annual Eastern Conference road trip, and they they finished that three and one. They actually won their past three games, all three games and three nights, um, including you know they beat Red Deer, which uh, they're hosting the Memorial Cup this year, so they should be pretty good. Um, they're in Kamloops tonight. And then they're in Tri Cities on Saturday before finally coming home. What's weird about this this team, though, this schedule at least, they've uh, they've played 16 games, but only six of those have been at home. Um, it's been a really really odd schedule, uh, wow. which I don't know if that helps or hurts them, but I think that's just the nature of the Western Hockey League. Um, but yeah, they've you know they've it's it's what's also helped them recently. I think is they got they just got back Adam Luca, and I think. Uh, that's, we'll see if that's a big boost. I, it, I presume it will be just because he was a leading scorer last year and we kind of expected him to be a leading scorer again this year. So uh, we'll see if that gives him a boost um, headed into the rest of the season. Yeah, I saw he had a, he had two goals in your victory against Calgary the other night. So it looks like he's uh, he's not uh, missing anything from last year, huh? Right. He's got four points in his, four, his only four games he's played in Spokane. Um, so he kind of picked up right where he left off. He, uh, his first game was the first game of that Eastern Conference road trip in Medicine Hat, which was actually a loss, but uh, like I said, the next three games they won, and he played real well. Um, I think, you know, maybe I'm sure they had to shuffle some of the lines a little bit, but he's he's a veteran player, and he, he's played for Don Knockbowers, and he, so he knows the system, and I think he'll be just fine. Uh, but I've, I've, I have no doubt they were glad to get him back uh, just because they were struggling so much without him. And uh, I, I don't know what the team's thinking, but I did not expect him to stick with the – um, San Jose uh, minor league team for as long as he did, which is a testament to his to his game. But um, I think the Chiefs really had to adjust without him. But now they they've got him back. Um, sure, they're happy to have him back. But now it it leaves them with four twenty year olds. So they're gonna have to figure out within about a week or so uh, which one of those four is gonna have to move on. Right. I was just I was just uh, about to ask you about that. Is there a kind of a clear cut number one that they're gonna release or? Is, do the other three bring a lot of different kinds of uh, skill sets to the team? Well, I, I can't imagine they get rid of Haluka um, just well. because he's <laughs> leading scorer. And Jason Fram's their second leading scorer, top defenseman, and their captain. And then Riley Whittingham, their third 20-year-old, he's got seven points in his 12 games, and he's one of their – he's kind of their grinder and kind of a fan favorite. I don't imagine they would get rid of him. The uh, fourth 20-year-old, Luke Harrison, who they picked up earlier this year, he actually scored in his first game with the Chiefs, but um, he hasn't he hasn't recorded any points since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played six games in Spokane, only one point, and ten games overall for the season because he came from the Camelot Blazers. Didn't have any points with them, and he's kind of been a minus five, uh, or he is a minus five so far this season. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I can't predict. I, don't, I hate predicting things, but I can't imagine they uh, they get rid of Haluka, Whittingham, or Fram. So it looks to me, if I had to guess, that. Uh, Luke Harrison would be would be uh, the guy that they have to let go. Interesting. So if 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 you were to look at your team's performance so far, tell me you know tell me one thing that they're doing really well, and tell me one thing that they could really improve on to kind of take that next step for the rest of the season. 
Well, one thing they're doing real well is getting Kaylor Yamamoto the puck, or he's getting the puck yeah. to other guys. He, he's got 20 points through 16 games, and only five of those points are goals. So he's he's kind of All a playmaker. Right. And that was kind of expected going into this season. Um, last year, being a 16-year-old, he he, he kind of he really impressed. So um, I think they expected that from him. So he's been doing well. Uh, I think something they need to improve on is keeping the puck out of their own net. Um, their goal, you know, they had to get rid of Garrett Houston. Unfortunately, he really had a rough start to the season. Um, but they're sticking with uh, Tyson Verhelst. Uh, he's their starter now. He was their backup last year. Uh, he's, you know, he's played as well as he can play given the defense um, and the, the way the team's playing in front of him. But I think something they need to improve on, though, is definitely keeping the puck out of their own net because, um, you know, that really hurt Garrett Houston and maybe maybe contributed to well, I'm sure it contributed to him uh, being shipped off. Interesting. So you mentioned the uh, the the 16 year old. Uh, is it Kyler or Kaler? Uh, I've heard it both ways. I believe it's Kyler. Okay, Kyler Yamamoto. Can you, uh, for those that are not kind of familiar with with um, you know WHL in general, um, can you kind of expand on this kid? You know, I, I've seen so much, uh, a lot of praise heaped he on this kid. How he's possibly one of the top draft picks. You know, in the, in the future NHL, can you kind of explain, maybe give, give a snapshot what makes this kid so good? Why why it looks like he's going to be able to take that next step? Well, he's one of those guys that's he's, he's kind of a little man, a little guy, and so am I. So I can't talk smack about that. Yeah, I think he's only five <laughs> eight or five nine, um, which you know, and maybe ten years ago that was a disadvantage. But nowadays, like we're seeing guys like in NHL, like Tyler Johnson, former Spokane Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Brennan Gallagher, a bunch of other guys who um, aren't the biggest uh, players out there, but they can really move and skate and make plays uh, and use their small stature to kind of their advantage in a different way. So he does a really good job of of not backing down from really anyone, and uh, he, he's not afraid to to you know go into the corners and and get a little rough with with people. So he's he's very deceptive. Maybe so you kind of look at him and you think, oh, so this this little guy, we can easily easily take him out. Um, but he's he's quite the playmaker, and you know it, you may know his older brother's on the team, Keanu um, right. Yamamoto. And actually, I think they, it's pronounced Kino. I just realized this year uh, when the older Yamamoto started for the team, he was you know a big story was he was a Spokane kid. They both went to Mead High School um, up here in North Spokane. Uh, but when Kino was on the team, the kind of the word amongst the community, um, people in the hockey community, was just wait till his brother comes along because his brother's really good um, mm. and as we obviously saw that that happened last year and I think uh, Kyler will be well he already is on Team USA's radar he played in a tournament this past summer for um, I think U17s and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a world junior team um, in, the, in the future Hey Kyler uh, both the brothers they're from Spokane right so it's kind of like a a hometown thing right yeah so they grew up in North Spokane with the Mead High School I think Kyler, for sure, uh, moved down to L.A. and played for the L.A. Junior Kings program down oh, there um, okay. before he came to Spokane. I Kino, the older brother, I don't know for sure if he did the same thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, but, yeah, they grew up uh, they from North Spokane, so it's, it's always a nice story. Um, similar to Tyler Johnson, who's from just – he's actually – Tyler Johnson is actually just from outside of Spokane, but we claim right. it as our own just because. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had a few a few guys from Spokane play for the teams throughout the year, uh, which is obviously a nice story. It's That's probably more common with the Canadian junior teams um, as it is with the U.S. teams. I don't know if – I think Tri-Cities had a guy a few years ago who was born and bred there. Um, I don't yeah. know about Portland, Seattle, or, or Everett, though. I think, I think Everett just picked up a guy off there – one of their midget, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old teams uh, mm-hmm. onto their onto their roster. So it's, it's nice to see, you know, local kids be able to kind of rise up and then, you know, get on those local WHL teams too. Well, another guy, um, the goalie, Evan Sarso, is he in Tri-Cities? Is that, is that right? He's from, yeah, he's from Black Diamond. He's also on Team USA's uh, radar. He was in the Prospects that. game just a few months ago, so... It's nice to see, obviously, guys from the U.S., but guys from the state of Washington just, uh, you know, get some recognition. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's on the uh, – he's also – I believe he was also on the the Team WHL against the Russia versus Russia team. So, does okay. Spokane have any 
Does Spokane have any players that made that um, made that roster? No, um, I think the last Spokane player to do that was Mitch Holmberg a few years ago, but none none from the team this year. Because because the, some of your best players are from the United States, so that would right I mean, right. Um, um, let's see what else. Like, you guys had you guys had a really uh, you guys got the the Chiefs got the number one draft choice right from the WHL um, Bantam draft, correct? Yeah, we uh, we picked um, Ty Smith. Ty Smith, like now, how did you guys get that overall number one pick? You guys made like a deal. <laughs> Yeah, we we got the Chiefs got pretty lucky actually. So a couple of years ago, the Saskatoon Blades were hosting the Memorial Cup, the last time a WHL team hosted. And you know the teams that host the Memorial Cup, um, as Spokane did back in the late '90s, teams that host the Memorial Cup, they they got to beef up their roster just for that year. So they were you know, making some trades. So they traded their first round pick in the 2015 Bantam Draft for a guy named Colin Valcourt, um, who used to play for the Chiefs and obviously went to Saskatoon. So that first-round ban on draft pick for Saskatoon, which became Spokane's, ended up being the number one pick because Saskatoon finished uh, last last year. So the Chiefs really lucked out that, in that regard because um, they already had the ninth pick in the 2015 Bantam draft. Um, right. They got Kobe Morriso with that pick. So they got two top ten picks in the Bantam draft, and that could really bode well going forward. Um, more, especially yeah. Yeah, Kyler Yamamoto is still not in his draft eligible year. He's 2017 uh, NHL wow. draft eligible. Then they got Jared Anderson Dolan, rookie this year. Um, yeah, I would assume Ty Smith and Kobe Morrisow would uh, make a good case to play for the team next year. So they, uh, they their future is bright. This year um, may be a down year, but for the past three years, it seems the Chiefs are going to have a down year, but Knockbauer seems to always get them to, to overachieve in some way. Definitely. Do we have any concerns about uh, Ty Smith reporting to Everett? Uh, Spokane. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, Ty Smith is reporting <laughs> to Spokane. Um, not not that I've to... heard. The, yeah. During the after the Bantam draft, it, he sounded pretty uh, pretty excited to be in Spokane. He may have signed. I have to look that up. He may have signed a contract. I don't know that for sure. Um, okay. But uh, like when when the Chiefs drafted Jared Cowan uh, years ago, it was actually pretty well known that he did not want to go to Spokane, and they drafted him anyway. He ended up obviously coming to Spokane when the Memorial Cup went to the NHL had a happy ending. But uh, I don't expect any any um, uh, hiccups with Ty Smith. Good deal. Good deal. Very cool. Oh, that was a great. That was great. Thanks, Kevin. No problem. Thank you, guys. Uh, hey, hey, Kevin. I, I have a few more. Qu- okay. I have a few more questions for you. Okay. Um, you mentioned you mentioned earlier, Kevin, that. Uh, uh, the size issue for players and how it's it's not quite as important as it used to be for players to be tall. And in fact, there's some advantages to being a uh, smaller statue. Um, for people like me who are fairly recent com- converts to hockey, what what is the advantage to height in hockey when you consider that the puck is on the ice? What is the the advantage of being tall or being short? Of being of being tall. Well, you can, being tall, it, I, you're, I actually think height is secondary to whether you can skate or not. Everybody knows that if you can't skate, you can't play hockey. So there are some tall guys, right. some power forward guys that can really skate real well. Milan Lucic is probably the most well-known in the NHL. Um, he's a big, huge guy, and he does just fine. I think, um, you know, hockey is a physical sport. It's, got, it's full contact. So being taller and being bigger, obviously, you can um, – you know, you, you can use your body a little more, have a that kind of style of game, whereas smaller guys, Kyler Yamamoto is not going to take out Zdeno Chara, for example, or Tyler Johnson is not going to take out Zdeno Chara. That's that's just almost probably physically right. impossible, although it would be hilarious to watch and see him try. But I, I just think since the, you know, since the lockout of uh, that of 05, when the, when the entire NHL season got washed out and they changed a bunch of rules that opened up the game, uh, faster players had an easier time on the ice. I think ever since then, smaller guys have slowly been been some of the more sought after guys, just because that's the way the game's been uh, being played now is a faster, wider open um, type of game. If if you can hit and fight, great. But if you can skate fast and skate around people, stick handle and score, that's that's even better. So I just think yeah. uh, being tall and that'll make the game more universal. Tall, oh yeah, definitely. But I, yeah, I think if, yeah. if being tall is if you can skate and hit and you're, you'll be fine, but if, if you can't skate, 
uh, fast enough. You can't keep up with the uh, Brendan Gallagher's or Tyler Johnson's. Right. Um, you're not going to last very long. Right. And I I was uh, I was actually able to attend my first game of the year last Friday in uh, Kennewick. The uh, the Americans were hosting uh, Vancouver, and I got to experience my first three on three overtime, which which is a new rule this year. What do you think the impact of that rule change has been? Do you do you think it's going to help them avoid more shootouts? How do you think that's going? Well, I, I haven't been able to witness it myself in person yet or on TV, but I think. I think it's better than the shootouts. It's the lesser of two evils when you're comparing the shootout versus three-on-three. Three. I don't think three-on-three three is real hockey because how often is three-on-three three played during regulation? I mean, almost never. Right. Um, but then again, how, how often is there a penalty shot in regulation? Almost never as well. So I think at least there's defense being played uh, in three-on-three three overtime. I do think it reduces the uh, the likelihood of a shootout, which is good. I kind of have a personal rule. If I'm watching a game on TV and it goes to a shootout, I'll turn it off just because that's how much I despise the shootout. Um, I always thought instead of the shootout, they should have done two-on-ones, so at least you have one defenseman back there. Um, but maybe that's even more of a gimmick. I, I just think I think there is data in the NHL that shows uh, fewer games are going to a shootout, and overall I think that is good. I know a lot of players in the NHL have spoken out about three and three overtime, um, but I'd have to look to see if those are players that – our teams are losing in three and three or if they're winning. So I, it's, it's not. Right. Not the shootout. Um, and it's and not so, a tie. Right. Now looking at the Western conference standings in the WHL, um, Spokane is, is right in the middle of the standings and my, my Americans are a little lower down. Um, and we've got Victoria and Kelowna on top. But no one is really dominating yet. There, I mean, the two top teams have ten and five records. I mean, those are good records, but they're, I wouldn't call them dominant records. Um, from what you've seen so far, who do you expect to emerge from the pack this year in the Western Conference? Well, I think Seattle Thunderbirds are loaded this year, uh, and they've got they've got three games in hand on the Chiefs. I'm looking at them right now, and a couple of I think they got games in hand on everybody except Everett. Um, but season's a long season. I think Seattle Thunderbirds are are they could go pretty far this year. Um, and that's, that just shows the cyclical nature of, of the Western Hockey League. You know, Portland's a little down um, as compared to past years. Um, Victoria, that actually is surprising that I see there at 10-5 because Spokane's lost them a couple times, but they've also beat them. Um, and then Victoria didn't look overly, overly dominant. So, yeah, the Western Conference may be pretty competitive this year, and it could come down to um, some of the final games to – to see who who gets in and, and who doesn't. So, uh, but I do think right. people should keep an eye on Seattle. Right. Okay. One last question before we let you go. Um, uh, a month or so ago, one of our one of our writers, Jake Hamar, did an article about um, AHL expansion. Uh, it seems that the American Hockey League is trying to expand more into the West side of the states. And he kind of uh, speculated what would Spokane look like as an AA, as an American Hockey League city. Do you think that Spokane could support an AHL team? I think it could, uh, but not uh, alongside the Chiefs. I think um, you, know, you need a lot of sponsorship money for those minor league teams and junior teams, and I think the Chiefs have kind of got the hockey market. Um, I, I don't, yeah, right. I, I don't think they could they could exist side by side. You'd have to have one or the other. A lot of AHL teams all over the country, their attendance figures are on par with uh, some of the teams in the U.S. division in the in the WHL. We definitely have the arena for it, um, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think you know we Spokane's got an arena or well an indoor football league team now. They've got a single A short season minor league baseball team in the Chiefs. Those are kind of their uh, minor league type of sports. Um, so I think it could be uh, supported, but not alongside the Chiefs, unfortunately. Right. I wonder. I wonder if, um, and, and I would hate to see this for uh, the WHL's sake, but is, is there any possibility of the Spokane Chiefs uh, jumping up to a league like that, or are they pretty much married to the WHL? Well, it would seem to me they're married to the WHL. They've had the same ownership group um, for 25 years or so, the the Bretts, Bobby Brett and George Brett and his his group. Um, so I it's, I would imagine they're pretty stuck, or not stuck, but married to the WHL, and they're, they, they're one of the model franchises in the league. Um, 
Right. So I, I don't I don't see them moving up. Uh, but I you know with the AHL expanding west, there's oh you know never say never. There's always that possibility. Okay, Kevin. Well, um, I think I speak for Otto when I say we appreciate everything you're doing for Seattle Tinbin. I we're very pleased with the coverage so far, and we know it's only going to get better as time goes on. All right. Yeah, I enjoy it too. Thanks for having me. This was a this was a good talk. Okay. Uh, thanks, Kevin. You have a great night. All right. You too. Right. All right. That was Kevin Dudley, who is the beat writer for the Spokane Chiefs on behalf of Seattle Sinbin. Otto, you had quite a bit to say. How do you? What do? You, what are your impressions from that? No, it's just you know he had, you know he had a lot of good information about where where the Chiefs are at and and the kind of how their future looks bright. They have you know they got apparently they swindled Saskatoon uh, and to get a couple of great high picks. So it looks like the future is going to be bright in Spokane. Really, really interested in seeing this uh, Kyler Yamamoto kid. So um, right. uh, you know hopefully he's come, he comes around the next game I go to Seattle. Okay. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Seattle Send Ben. I want to thank you, Otto, once again, once again for co-hosting with me. I want to thank Chris Daniels for hopping on for the first time this year and talking arena and talking election issues and that, and that kind of thing. And I want to thank Kevin Dudley for joining us and talking about the Chiefs. Um, so I, I hope everyone joins us again next week. Um, and we will see you on the other side. Joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.